Before we get into today's episode, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know by now, we're here to tell you that hockey has returned to ESPN. The NHL season has started back up, and that means you can stream your team's games on ESPN+. Plus, From the Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning to the brand new Seattle Kraken. Subscribe to ESPN Plus so you don't miss a goal. Guys, before we get into today's episode, we wanted to tell you about the First Draft Podcast with ESPN experts Mel Kuyper Jr., Todd McShay, and Field Yates. These guys are keeping tabs on the latest in the NFL draft, and the show is now twice a week, every Monday and Thursday. You can also check out Monday's show on YouTube. The ESPN NHL podcast with Linda Cohn and Emily Kaplan. Hey guys, Emily here before we start the podcast. And we recorded before we got the news that Alex Ovechkin tested positive for COVID ahead of the Capitals game on Wednesday night. That means he'll miss that game, but also miss All-Star Weekend. And there's no other way to say it. It's just a bummer. This is a star event, the Grow the Game event. We want to make sure that we're putting our best out there. And Alex Ovechkin is simply the best. What he's doing is unreal. He's one of the legends in this league. We need to celebrate him while he's still in his prime. It is what it is, though, in these COVID times. Um, one of the storylines, though, I was looking forward to this event was just the new wave of stars coming in versus the old guard. And Ovi is so much about the NHL's history over the last several years, longer than that. And I was looking forward to watching him interact with guys like Trevor Zegras, like Jack Hughes. So a bummer for Ovi. Hopefully he heals up, is asymptomatic, and we'll see him back on the ice soon. And then just a reminder that this is the last that we probably will be hearing about guys missing time because of COVID, because the NHL is changing its policies after the All-Star break. Guys will have to test to get back in and make sure that they can play after this little break. But after that, we're not going to test asymptomatic players anymore. Um, that should keep the season going on track, should keep guys available on the ice, and we won't have situations like this. Emily Kaplan, Linda Cohn. Linda, I don't know who signed off on this. I don't know who created this, but Emily Kaplan is on day three of six in Las Vegas. Let me jump in. As we all know, every human on this planet knows there's just uh, an amount of days a person can survive Vegas. And it usually stops at three, Emily. So I'm very proud of you. You're halfway there and you're still talking on this podcast and you sound coherent. I would like to give a shout out to Water, my best friend. I love you, Water. I love staying hydrated. Um, But yeah, no, it's been fun. Look, we're here, obviously, for the NHL All-Star Weekend, which is happening Friday night's a skills competition. You can catch that on ESPN. Saturday will be that all-star game on ABC, which is super exciting. Linda and I will both have roles in both events, so you'll see us pop up across all of our coverage. Um, But I also had the Golden Knights game on Tuesday, and it was a fun one for me because it was Sabres versus Golden Knights, and Jack Eichel didn't play yet, but uh, that obviously was the name looming over all of it. There was other great storylines too, though. Like, everyone forgets Robin Leonard played in Buffalo. Yeah, that's the first thing I thought of. I thought of you. I know how close you are with Robin. And when I saw that you were covering that game, I was like, you know, Robin still has always has ties to Buffalo and some of those players that are still there when he's there. And I, and yeah, Yeah. I mean, fill in the blanks. I bet you that meant a lot to him. I know he beat them, but (laughs) it also means a lot. And also he was going up against Craig Anderson, 40 years old, who was his former battery mate in Ottawa back in the day, uh, which is fascinating. But yeah, you know, 
I think obviously when Robin looks back at his time with Buffalo, it's complicated because that's where a lot of his issues um, came to a head. He had that moment that led him to go to rehab and in rehab um, he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and learned a lot about, you know, some of the inner demons he was dealing with and how to address them. Um, But it's all about relationships in this league and Kyle Ocposo, you know, when I was actually, I, I met Robert Haig, a, a young player on that team uh, last night. And he was telling me um, Kyle Ocposo is like the team dad. Like he's just, he's been here so long. And when he speaks, we all listen. Like he just leads by that example. And, you know, you see Robin stretching and Kyle has to come over to him just to have a chat. And I just know so many players in the league respect Robin, you know, for how vocal he's been on so many issues and how much he's been through um, and how much he's continuing to fight because it's not over for him. And um, so those type of moments were great. Peyton Krebs and Alex Tuck and Cody Eakin um, coming in because they um, Cody Eakin and Alex Tuck were original Golden Knights. Their first time for Alex Tuck as a visitor at the Fortress. I got to ask him about that. He said it was very weird. Um, And and the one thing I would say about Alex Tuck and I got to meet with Kevin Adams, the GM in Buffalo the morning of. And the one thing I asked him was like, how do you know a player actually wants to be here? Because that's the big thing for Buffalo, right? They wanted guys to be there. And you knew Alex Tuck was from the area. Um, and grew up a Sabres fan, but like he's playing for the Golden Knights, like a team that's, you know, contending for Stanley Cups year after year. And he goes to Buffalo, who's about to extend its streak for 11 straight years without the playoffs. Like, how did you know he wanted to be there? And he's like, you know, we didn't, you know, we, we did some recon and you kind of hope and you pray. And, um, you know, they did a lot of work on him um, in his pre-draft process. He had met with the Pagulas, the owner. So they got a sense. Um, but then when he, Alex Tuck came in, He just took the opportunity. I can be the guy here. And he had dinner with Kevin. He said the next day, I'm going to go shake the hands of people in the business office. I want to meet the people in marketing. And Kevin was really impressed by that. Alex said those were actually leadership skills he learned from Marc-Andre Fleury in year one in Vegas. Um, And John Granada was telling us it just adds a different dynamic to the locker room of having a guy who grew up in the area, who understands what it's like to be a fan there. Um, So I feel like just... To wrap that up, when we talk about the Jack Eichel trade, it's always about Vegas. Vegas goes all in. They get all of these guys. They're they're Vegas. Um, but there's an interesting story for Buffalo, too. Yeah, let me ask you something. Uh, you were in Vegas. You got a jump start. I don't get there till the night before on Thursday night. Um, what's the vibe like? The, I mean, there's so much to do in Vegas, right? So are people, like, aware? I know Golden Knights fans have to be aware but the people that know hockey, love hockey, do they realize what kind of show is about to be put on with the All-Star Weekend? There's signage everywhere. And in one of my, my post-game interview for that game was Mark Stone. And I asked him what he was most looking forward to in All-Star Weekend. It's his first time as an All-Star. He's pumped about that. And he's like, you know, we have the best production staff in the team. Our game production is better than anyone else's. Like, true, it's going to be freaking sick. Like, it's going to be really, really cool uh, what we're going to put on. And I think... If there's not enough hype already, the second you turn on your TV and you see what we're going to do and what Vegas is going to do and the league is going to do, it's going to be exciting. To talk about that excitement, we'll bring in our next guest. And now joining us, I am so excited for this guest because there's no better person to talk about NHL All-Star skills. He is someone who is extremely powerful in the league office and making things run smoothly, though you might not know because all the stuff he does is behind the scenes, but... We're bringing him from behind the curtain. It's Patrick Burke, the vice president of player safety. And Patrick, one of the things in your purview is the skills at All-Star. I don't know. First, just tell us how many years you've done it. And then for our listeners, kind of explain what happens in the week or two weeks before All-Star, of how you get these guys to sign up and agree to each of these events. 
Sure. Uh, first, thanks for having me on. Very excited to be on with both of you, two of my favorite hockey analysts and broadcasters going. So um, a great honor to be on with you two. Um, yeah, I've been uh, working with Steve Mayer on the skills competition uh, for about seven years now, uh, right around the time Brendan Shanahan left to go to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, and that kind of left a little bit of an opening for someone to get involved. Um, so I was lucky enough to uh, get that opportunity. And since then, I've been working with uh, my team on the player safety side with our hockey operations department and then with Steve Mayer and his team on the event side to try to put on a great skills competition uh, every season. Uh, it's one of our highlight events of the year in my mind. We get to really showcase our players' uh, individual skills. Obviously, that's the name of the event, but also their personalities. This is the, one of the events that you're going to see the players don't have helmets on. They get to be mic'd up. They get to be a little bit more relaxed. You get to see uh, the fun side of them. So uh, it's an event uh, we take a lot of pride in here at the league, and we're very excited to put on a great show here in Vegas. As to your question about what goes into getting these players into skills, um, I know that's always fun. Uh, it, it it starts with a group of us sitting down with a list of names and doing something that I think we all did when we were you know 10 years old and going, oh, I want to see somebody do this. I want to see Dylan Larkin skate fast. I want to see um, you know Alex Ovechkin shoot a puck as hard as he can. I want to see whoever it might be, uh, do this skill and kind of assign guys to events that we think they would put on a good show um, in. Then we start getting the feedback from, I'm not sure I want to do that event or a team would prefer a player to be in this event, not that event, or these two guys would like to team up in that event. And then we spend about a week just juggling and reaching out and going, would you do this one? Would you do this if we let this happen? Um, and just kind of juggling and shuffling guys around. So um, it's a lot of stress. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of uh, managing the needs of our players to make sure that everyone gets to put on a great show. And um, hopefully every time uh, after all the sausage gets made behind the scenes, what goes out onto the ice is a fun, exciting uh, celebration of our players' talents and abilities. You know, Patrick, putting on a great show, that's what Las Vegas is all about. So there's a lot of pressure. How do I incorporate, right, Vegas and what it does, blowing everyone away. So how did you come up with the, I feel the two most anticipated events and skills, which is 21 and 22. And of course, what's going on with the Bellagio fountains and how players are going to compete in that. We are pumped about both of these. So our, at our first skills call, which would have been eight or nine months ago, Steve Mayer got on the horn and said, we are in Las Vegas and we are doing things that represent the city. This is a fun, flashy, glamorous city with a lot of internationally famous landmarks. We are doing things to incorporate our players into those and be a part of the excitement that is Las Vegas. So from the start, we were talking about Bellagio Fountains. We were talking about um, what, what we could do on the strip. And uh, the events team has really uh, worked their butts off to get all the permits and the, the agreements and everything else that goes into putting an event on. But we are. We're going to shut down the Las Vegas strip and we're going to play 21 and 22. We're going to have five of our, our biggest stars in the NHL playing uh, a modified version of blackjack against each other where they're shooting at giant oversized cards uh, and trying to uh, win a hand of blackjack, um, which is going to be a ton of fun. Again, guys who have big personalities, we're going to have them up there. They're not in skates. They're not sweating and, and trying to perform in front of 20,000 people. It's the five of them with the host talking, having fun, hopefully, um, you know, giving each other a little bit of crap now and then uh, and really making a great event. Then we're going into the Bellagio Fountains, which is just an unbelievable uh, experience for the players who were selected for this event. Uh, we're going to play um, 
we're going to build an LED rink basically, and players are going to stand in the center face-off circle at center ice and shoot glowing pucks into uh, different targets uh, around the rest of the rink. So into the net at one end, into the giant face-off circles in the offensive zone, and into the little face-off dots in the neutral zone. Uh, and whoever can do that the fastest is going to win. So a visually stunning event, a made-for-TV event. We're so thrilled to have our uh, new TV partner in ESPN South of the Border. You know, they're, they're paying my salary now, I think, technically. So uh, <laughs> You're a cast member just like us, Patrick. Exactly. So, but we're so thrilled to, to really rise to the level of the entertainment that Las Vegas ex- expects, the spectacle that ESPN expects. And again, our players are thrilled about this event. We talk about how sometimes players don't want to do things. I've been getting texts from so many different teams, players, directly agents. Can you put my guy in fountain face off? Can you put my guy in this? He will show up early. He will be there. He will do whatever you need to be in that event. Um, so it's great to have something that guys are really excited about. Well, that was going to be my next question is the feedback from players on this, because it is new. What are some of the questions that you've been fielding? What do they want to know about them? These two events? They want to know why, why we didn't put them in it. That's the biggest question I've gotten so far is how come you didn't choose me for that, uh, for the, the two um, off ice events. Um, I don't know if it's because they don't want to skate hard uh, or <laughs> if it's because the, the events just look uh, exciting to them, but uh, I'm getting a lot of, Oh, you're picking big personalities. You don't think I have a big personality, huh? And having to do the like, no, we just think you're a better fit in accuracy shooting, or you're one of the fastest players in the league. You're going to skate a lap. It'll be great. Um, but these events are off the charts excitement internally. Um, I actually am lucky enough. I get to go out and help test it later this afternoon. So um, I'll definitely be uh, excited to be out there and shooting some pucks in the fountain, which is, you know, NHLers get to do a lot of cool things in their lives. They, they are, you know, they have access to a lot of really unique experiences. Most of them have never been in the Bellagio Fountain and they all want this opportunity. A lot of humans have never been in the Bellagio Fountain. <laughs> We've all seen it from afar. Why do you think I made myself one of the testers? They were like, should we bring in other players? I was like, no, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Don't worry yeah. about it, guys. Don't worry about it. Um, how, what, how important was it, Patrick, to incorporate in some capacity these young stars, right? Like the Trevor Zegris, get him involved, invite him uh, to this All-Star Weekend in Vegas. I think it's super important that we continue to market uh, the young stars in our game, whether that is uh, a Trevor Zegris, whether that is, um, you know, some of these other young guys, I guess some guys are getting older and I don't want to start naming the wrong names, but, you know, Kirill Kaprizov coming in, uh, an exciting young player that our fans uh, need some more exposure to. We're bringing in Trevor because he's one of our most marketable stars. And the skills competition to me is about entertainment. The game, the all-star game itself, which is an amazing event on its own, that's a real competition. Guys are playing for money. They, like, the guys care and want to do well. This is a fun event. We get to see who skates the fastest and shoots the hardest. And we have a player who has gone viral numerous times this year for being a naturally charismatic and exciting and talented player. Of course, we're going to bring him in and showcase what he can do for all our fans. All right. So if you guys can notice, the viewers and the listeners, we're being intentionally coy here because not all these lists are finalized. I think Patrick will be working to the 11th hour, still back channeling and negotiating. But we can look in the past. The years past, we know who participated. We know who didn't participate. When you're at the bar with your buddies and they say, what's your favorite story behind the scenes of all-star skills over the years? What's the one you share? Uh, I mean, the the... The easy answer is Kendall Quine and fastest skater. Kendall's a, a great friend um, and a, a tremendous competitor. And her 
um, getting off the plane and testing skills for us and then being in the event the next day is uh, probably my favorite. But I think everyone's heard that one. So I'll tell my favorite Nate McKinnon story nice. um, where we had a, a year where uh, a couple guys dropped out a hardest shot uh, very late. I think one player got injured who we were counting on. Um, and then another player just uh, the day of said, oh, by the way, my shoulder hurts and I can't do it. So I'm running around the locker room looking at like, okay, if we switch this player to this event and this player to this event, and it ended up with having to ask Nathan McKinnon to do a uh, hardest shot. Nathan is one of the most talented players in the National Hockey League. If he's not the best player in the league, he's in the top five. He's also a wonderful person to deal with. Um, shooting the puck hard is not really his forte. So I had to go up to him and go, you know, Nate, uh, some things happened. Some guys kind of bailed here. I, I need you to do hardest shot. And he goes, Berkey, I shoot muffins. You don't want me in that event. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, uh, I know. And I don't. But also we, we booked this for uh, eight shooters and uh, you're not one of them. And he goes, uh, I said, if you do this one for me, you never have to do anything you don't want to do ever again. You get to pick your event for the rest of your life. You can show up and do whatever you want. It's like, yeah, that's fair. So, um, that, that was my favorite, uh, just having an NHL all-star look you in the eye and acknowledge that he doesn't shoot as hard as he'd like you to do an event. And then he went out there and I think he shot like 84, or 85 and came back to the bench and gave me a, I told you so as he skated <laughs> by. That's awesome. How about the actual game as we look big picture and how it has evolved into this three on three format, uh, you know, fans voting in players, uh, give me your grade, uh, for a, the three on three, how has that been for the league? And is that something that's going to stick around for a while? I think the three on three has been great. Um, the hockey ops department, Colin Campbell, Chris King, Rod Pasma, uh, those guys handled the, the game itself. And when they had the idea of switching to three on three, um, going to kind of a round robin style tournament where teams play against each other uh, a couple times and then increasing the, the prize money. Um, there was a, a lot of conversations about that. And they were very adamant that it was going to make for, you know, this is the best players in the league. Let's give them a little more open ice, a little more space to be creative and have fun with it. I think it's been a huge success. I think it, uh, it really opens things up. Let's guys have a little more fun out there. Like it, it's an all-star game. You're not getting hard back checking and guys laying out the block shots. So, the extra bodies on the ice when we're playing five on five uh, just aren't as entertaining. So I think the hockey ops group's done a great job with it. Uh, it's a really fun event. If people haven't tuned in before um, now that we have skills on ESPN and uh, the all-star game on ABC and ESPN plus um, I really hope people give it a try because it, it is a really exciting event that showcases the best players in our game. All right. I got to jump in as a follow-up because being a goalie and used to play the, the, the position, this is not fair. Although as a fan, yeah, love the three-on-three three in an all-star game, right? You just said it, how exciting it is, best players showing off their greatest skills. But come on, it's so unfair. It's a shooting a gallery. Tender. Yes. It, I mean, it's a shooting gallery, so for sure. sad to see them, you know, yeah. We, we did help our goalies out this year for Breakaway Challenge, which we're bringing back in skills. Uh, we're bringing in two celebrity goaltenders because uh, in the past, the goalies would be standing there and the player would be coming down doing some ridiculous uh, incredible trick shot and they'd be going, yes. am I supposed to stop this? I feel guilty <laughs> like stopping this. So um, this year, uh, Manon Rayom, who I don't think needs an introduction, but the first woman to play for a National Hockey League team and an incredible goalie who actually played in Las Vegas during her professional career is coming back to Las Vegas uh, to be one of our celebrity goalies. And Wyatt Russell, one of the stars of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, 
um, you guys own Disney Plus, right? I can plug that too, or am I just getting yeah. too deep down the corporate? All of the pluses. Let's go. Disney Plus, ESPN Plus, six ninety nine a month. All about a market game. Yeah. You guys, you guys own that too, and I, I'll just take a free year subscription for all the plugging I'm doing here. But um, I, one of the one of the one of the stars of a Disney Plus Marvel property, uh, who also uh, grew up playing goalie and played in the BCHL yes. and professionally in Europe as a goalie. Uh, they're going to come in and jump in and break away challenge and relieve our goalies and give them a little bit of a break. So very excited for those two. All right. The last question I have for you is, you know, I was kind of alluding to some of the back channeling guys not wanting to do things. Give us over the years, like your all-star top three guys who have just said yes to everything. Like let's shine some light on these guys who just embrace it. Oh, that's a great question. Okay. Nate McKinnon, first and foremost, yeah. because of his willingness to do hardest shot still, he was also the one who uh, dropped out and asked Kendall Coyne to to take his spot on Twitter. So Nate Nate gets my skills competition MVP for easiest <laughs> to deal with. Uh, Matt Barzell um, was great uh, when he was in a couple years ago. Their team PR guy came up to me and said, "What's Matt doing?" I said, "Well, obviously he's the fastest skater," um, and he said he wants to do everything. And I was like, "Well, I don't think I can put him in." He goes, "He wants to be in every event, anything you want to use him for, put him to work." And you know, sometimes team, team PR says that and the player's like, no, I didn't say that. But Matt was <laughs> like, I will do, I will do every event. I can win all these events. Like just put me in. So, um, love Matt Barzell's attitude, uh, around skills. And I'll go a little bit off book, uh, for my third favorite and make it a group. And it's every time we bring in women's hockey players. Um, this year we have Jocelyn Lamaru Davidson joining us in addition to Manon. In the past, we've had individuals like, uh, Hillary Knight, Brianna Decker, Megan Duggan, um, Kendall Coyne, um, Renata Fast. I'm going to miss names and I, I'm going to be annoyed with myself later. Someone's going to text me and say, you forgot to name me. Um, the women who play professional hockey in North America are the hardest working uh, athletes on the planet and also the best people. And you tell them to do something and they do it. You ask them if they want to do more and they say yes. You say, hey, there's little kids in the crowd. Can you go sign a puck or go wave or do whatever? And they're right over. They're always out there growing the game. So I'll cheat a little and say every women's uh, hockey player that I've ever dealt with in my entire life is my favorite. Yeah, well, that doesn't uh, shock Emily and I, of course, because when you're a woman uh, in in a man's world sort of thing, you always have to go the extra mile and do it blindfolded and do somersaults and uh, always stand on your feet. So I'm not surprised. Uh, um, I was born too soon. I love this time for women's hockey. It's just uh, so fantastic. Now that I know you're, you know, a regular goalie, if we need a celebrity goalie for yeah. the future, like get Linda on the top three list. That's right. Okay. I mean, I'm okay being on a sub list, like an emergency call up, like ebug. I'm okay being in the. Okay, you perfect. Know. You you can be the skills ebug going forward. Perfect. Oh, that would be so fun because I have, uh, you know. No ego. I, I'm used to getting pucks behind me, so it's fine, you know. <laughs> and but yeah. So, so an, an all-star game is perfect. No one will know the difference. No one will know the difference. Well said. Well said. Um, you know, Patrick, I want to switch gears. Obviously, your your role of more serious note, player safety, that's always your concern, the league's concern. You want to keep your all players healthy, and then especially your your highly skilled players because – they're busy trying to put the puck in the net or make an amazing pass. They, they can't worry about being hit or knocked down. They're just focused on the one thing that is their job. Um, are you happy so far this season, the way things, what would be your takeaway about things have played out in certain uh, moments, certain altercations that have taken place in the league? Yeah. I mean, obviously we have an incredibly fast physical contact sport, so there's going to be things that happen 
uh, on purpose or accidentally that either the Department of Player Safety or the officiating department needs to step in and handle. Um, I think George Peros, as the head of player safety, uh, does a tremendous job. I think Stephen Walker, as the head of our officiating department, does a tremendous job. And the one thing I'll say is we're constantly looking at our game and saying, you know, do we like these plays? Do we not like these plays? Are we seeing trends uh, that we're not fond of and we need to kind of step in and, and cut something off before it gets uh, to be too much? So uh, we're constantly evaluating our game and self-evaluating uh, the decisions that we're making and seeing if there's things we need to do differently going forward. Um, I think George and walks do a tremendous job uh, shepherding the game and, and making it as safe as we can make it while also maintaining the things that make hockey great, the fast pace, the physicality. Um, those are things we love about our game. And um, I think they do a great job uh, trying to find that balance. All right. Just a quick follow-up on that. I felt like early in the year, there was a bit of a slew footing trend and it wasn't good because guys were getting hurt. Um, how was that addressed? And do you feel like we're in a good place now where guys are just going to stop slew footing as much? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a great question because that's a perfect example of something where all of a sudden um, our department and the officiating department started to notice a lot more uh, leg trips. And so we have uh, multiple people assigned to watching and logging every game. One person in Toronto, one person in New York takes notes on every game. So we're sitting there and as the nights go on, you start seeing, okay, are, are there more of these or are we just like, are we just being oversensitive here? And you go back and look at the game notes and run the data and say, okay, we're seeing a few more leg trips and slew foots here. Um, is this something we need to talk about? Um, we start looking at which ones are, are worse. You know, obviously the amount of force, the speed players are traveling, um, how close they are to the boards are all things we need to look at when we're evaluating a slew foot or a leg trip. So we start looking at it, we start talking about it and, then we started ramping things up a little bit. So some players were given fines for leg trips or slew foots, and some players were suspended for leg, uh, leg trips or slew foots. Um, and that puts the rest of the league on notice. You know, we, George goes into GM meetings and talks to the GMs and says, look, we're, we see these and we need to talk about them. And if we, they continue, uh, we're going to keep cracking down harder. So that's a great example of something that was a trend that we weren't thrilled about. So we stepped in, started ramping things up um, a little bit in terms of fines and suspensions. George ramped things up a little bit behind the scenes, communicating to the teams what our uh, our concerns were. And I, I would never say that something went away or got fixed because I know as soon as I say that, there'll be a, you know, next week there'll be 150 of these and that'll be, this will be a headline of its own. But it, it, it addressed the issue in a way that we'll continue to look at for the rest of the season. One more from me on this subject, Patrick. Could the league be doing a better job, though, of protecting our best players? Taylor Hall was on our podcast a few weeks ago talking about it, saying it's not consistent. What is your takeaway about how the league is handling protection of its best players and keeping them upright? One of the things I love about our game is that I, I don't think the rule book should apply differently to every player. I think the rule book should be, and in most cases is, applied consistently across the board. Are there games where I'm sure their officials get off the ice and say, I, you know, I missed one, I missed two. Um, I should have done this a little differently. Absolutely. Are there times at the end of the year where player safety looks back and says, maybe this one should have been a little harsher discipline, or maybe we went too hard on this one. Absolutely. Um, we're always evaluating ourselves to see if we can be doing a better job, but I, I do. I genuinely think one of the great things about our game is the rule book applies equally to every player. Um, and you know, that's what leads to the great moments where, uh, fourth line players are out there battling just as hard as first line guys and, and making an impact on the game. So uh, I would never personally want to see a, a skewed rule book, uh, uh, stars get special treatment type of rule book, because I don't think that's fundamental to the nature of our game. 
Um, but I get it. I, I get that we have all these great stars that we need to keep uh, marketing and keeping upright and playing uh, at a high speed and high skill. And I think our, our officials really do a great job of that. Patrick, thank you so much for your time. Linda and I cannot wait for the skills competition. Linda yes. cannot wait to be in the skills competition next year. <laughs> Make sure that you put that in your notebook and log that as well. Now that yeah. we're saying it, I think of a media skills competition and really test those oh, of yeah. you who cover our game regularly. Oh Let's Love figure cool. out who the fastest skater is and uh, who has the hardest shot. I'm low key quick. Don't put me in hardest shot. It is worse than a muffin. It's muffin crumbles. <laughs> you, 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 you and Nate McKinnon head to head. Yeah, yeah. I'll take that. But uh, seriously, thanks for all you do. Congrats on all of the work. And uh, we can't say, wait to see how it all plays out on ESPN this Friday night. Thank you both. Super excited. Hope everybody tunes in over the weekend. It's going to be incredible. Thanks, Patrick. My biggest takeaway from that amazing conversation with Patrick Burke, besides the serious stuff, I'm talking about the, the lighter stuff, is the chance that we are going to hold him to that promise of A, either me being an e-bug and being an emergency goaltender for the skills, or B, that he should put together a media game, people like us that cover the game religiously, and that can add to one of the events, wherever it is. Of course, we're a year too late. It would have been fun to be in Vegas for us to be playing in a media hockey game, but we'll go anywhere. We'll go to the ends of the earth. I don't know where the All-Star game is next year. Emily, you probably know that already, or they haven't picked it yet, but uh, we're holding Patrick to that promise. He's going to log it just like he logs all of those player safety incidents. I'm making sure I'm, we're holding it to it. We'll keep him accountable. Uh, but that was fun. And it's just, it's fun to me to get the peek behind the scenes because I do know there's a lot of back channeling that goes on a lot of negotiating, like even just the way he said with Nathan McKinnon's like, Hey, yeah. do this favor the rest of your career. I got you. And Nathan probably thinking to himself, okay, I'm young. I'm on the upswing. I'll be an all-star for a long time. It's a pretty good deal. Yeah. And the negotiating is the key word. That's where I was really kind of blown away with what Patrick said, because that's what I thought of, of like, boy, they're sitting down at the table. They're yeah. like, okay, we'll give you your client this as long yeah. as you can do this. Uh, given t- it's like politics, right? And you wouldn't think something it's 110% fun. There's politics involved in everything. Obviously, agents are trying to, you know, give uh, uh, showing their players uh, in a light where their pa- personalities can show, thus getting more marketing opportunities. The other thing I loved about it and this conversation we had with Patrick is the fact where uh, the average human, the average person, the average hockey fan are going to see these players without helmets. Uh, we all talk about it. It's it's just a fact. You, you know, the fans need fans and people who are casual sports fans need to see these guys without helmets and realize what these players are all about. No, and it's so true. And like, even just how open he was about like, hey, Trevor Zegers gave us the most viral moments of the year. We would be stupid not to invite him to this event. Yes, they would have been stupid. They would have been stupid. That's why I brought him up because early on, we're like, wait, what? He's not going. And then suddenly he's going. I know. And that's (laughs) there's a lot of behind the scenes politics. I think we got to this podcast about how all sorts of offices (laughs) goes and yada, yada, yada. The truth is, though. I'm glad we brought Patrick on because he's one of my favorite people to talk to in the league. And I feel like that shines some light on just how thoughtful he is and how much he cares about the game and how hard he's working behind the scenes to make sure this game just keeps growing to be better and better for everyone. Um, And and I mean that in the broadest sense, because what he does just extends beyond player safety, extends beyond the all-star game. He's been a big ally for inclusion. So he's a name to keep an eye on. Um, He's he's a great friend and and great person just to chat with about the game. And I know he's going to put on a good event. I do as well. And uh, on that note, Emily, I will see you soon. 
we are going to go behind the scenes with our podcast, do what we can to, uh, which is the key phrase behind the scenes, which is what we all love. Um, Emily and I are going to try to do some of that stuff in Vegas. And at the same time, uh, hopefully help put on a great show uh, for the worldwide leader and for ABC. And don't forget uh, live uh, post game show in the crease. I'll be hosting with Barry Melrose uh, Friday night after the skills and then Saturday afternoon after the game. So that's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to that as well. I love that. And I love you and Barry together. I don't know. It's just like <laughs> OG in the We're the rocks. Group. We're the rocks, yep. right? Yep. We kept it going. We kept it alive. So I'm too looking forward to being paired with Barry again uh, at an all-star game in like the old days. So check out for that on ESPN+. Plus. And my role for Friday and Saturday will be standing outside the locker room and interviewing players. And um, I was told the direction I was given was fun, fun, fun. We don't want any hard questions. I want to go up to the guys and be like, dude, you just stood there and like Connor McDavid go through your legs. What were you thinking? So yeah. Those are the type of questions I'll be asking. All right. We're ready for it. We can't wait for that, Emily. So uh, thank all to our listeners. So we'll, we'll talk to you from Vegas, everybody. Let's roll the dice. <laughs>